0: Hello and welcome to Stories with Legs, conversations that interest me and maybe you too. I am your host, Anne Hildebrand, here with Renee Hildebrand. Hello, Renee.
1: Hello, Anne. And someone else is here too. They're just being shy.
0: Yeah, that would be Ryan. We'll get him next time. Oh, yeah. Um, So I also uh, have a horrible voice for this episode because of something that happened in our travel update.
1: Someone freaking
0: choked her. Yeah, right. <laughs> or I screamed really loud. Um, oh,
1: yeah. I don't think it was that, but I think that... Or I got exa- sick. That exacerbated the I got issue. sick and then yeah. screamed.
0: So I think I got sick at this 10-day silent Vipassana meditation. meditation course that we did. Yeah, wow. In the Blue Mountains. So, um, Renee, what's like a two... We're going to do a whole, like, fireside chat about it, yeah. I think. Because <laughs> so.
1: it's like, how do you... What's a one or
0: two sentence sort of wrap-up you have for that?
1: Uh, you know, it just... Uh, it took, it's like an individual experience for everyone that goes there. Um, and it's such a simple, it seems like looking at it now, it's such a simple technique, like.
0: Period. That was two. The second part of our travel update and why my voice sounds horrible at, like this is that, so I think I got sick at that retreat cause there's like a hundred people meditating mm-hmm. and living in close quarters with each other. And then, um, I screamed really loud. Why? Why don't you tell that Renee? Uh, Gosh, well, we've just gone through,
1: like, we've loved our car so far, and she's gone through the name from Bowie Valentine to Bowie Frankenstein after she got broken into, and then now, and then Indy Frankenstein because she's been such a great adventure with us.
0: Like um, Indiana
1: Jones. Like Indiana Jones, yeah. And um, so now, she, uh, so most recently, um, she started
0: smoking. So we lent the car to Alex and Julia, which is totally cool they had nothing to do with her issues going to do some yoga they were just the hapless people who were present when our car um turned off and started smoking in the middle of an intersection in sydney
1: which is freaking freaky when you get that phone call well ann got the phone call and i just see her face and i'm like this is bad like someone got hurt someone was the car which is actually not that bad
0: but so the, uh, they called and they were like, yeah, so the car died and it's not starting. Mm-hmm. But we went to this house to ask this guy for water. He says he's the son of a mechanic. He's come out. They put him on the phone and he's like, oh, well, the car isn't even turning over. So I think that it probably got really hot. And this wonderful process called fusion like happened. Occurred. And yeah. All and the,
1: the metal in your engine has probably fused together. And so we thought
0: the engine seized, which basically means our car would be totaled. Yep, pretty much. So we were pretty con- convinced that the car was dead. We were going to have to just, like, pay to scrap it. and, and It was a
1: pretty big, yeah, like, like, punch in the gut.
0: But I was using all of my Vipassana meditation yeah. techniques, and I was just like, all right, this is happening, and it's going to be this bad. This will also change. Allowing like, it to, yeah, affect me and make, okay. make my inner space negative is just going to be worse. Yeah, I
1: understand your reaction and what that's going to do to you.
0: Right, so we're dealing with this. Um... But then we get there and we're looking at the engine, it's like, oh my god, it's dead. And then Renee's like, I just have to try. I was like,
1: no, you know what? Like, I can't accept defeat until I've experienced defeat. <laughs> right. So, so so I like go in there and I freaking, you know, try it again.
0: Um and I'm standing just looking at this car. Everyone's standing around. The it's hoods like, up. I'm just looking at the It's at you, the
1: Caesar, Julia, and Alex. And then I'm like, like, out in the front of the car. And then I'm in the car, and I, like, turn it over, and it just, like, starts to click it on it. It turns
0: and on. And I just,
1: like, rev the engine super hard because I was just, I like... I started screaming. Yeah, everyone's just, like, freaking out. It's like a bunch of witches over a cauldron that are, like, oh, it's
0: working, like, ah! Right, because Alex had just bent down and patted the hood, and she was like, oh, come on, Frankenstein, you come back to life, don't you? We're jumping and screaming, and she was like, it's alive! It's
1: alive! She's alive!
0: Oh, my yeah. gosh, it was... It was elated. It was like
1: I was shaking and like everyone was hugging and like so, screaming. Yeah. So
0: Alex and Julia were the ones who were driving the car. Oh, in... should we tell
1: them why the car was messed up though?
0: Oh, okay. Yes.
1: Oh, okay. Just there was a busted uh, radiator. so we had to get Yeah, that the
0: radiator breaks. cracked apparently and leaked all the water but out. But it didn't crack in the worst way possible. So Alex was someone that I met in Buenos Aires three years ago at a vegetarian potluck, even though neither of us were vegetarian and we traveled together in Patagonia. And then here I am three years later hanging out with her and I met her friend, Julia, who it turns out I happen to have been in the same small town in Bolivia as her like last year and neither of us knew it until this most recent time. So small world. And as far as what we talk about, you'll just have to listen, so here it goes. look at it in a bit but for now let's start off okay so hi guys we're talking to alex hi alex hi and julia hi julia hey can you guys uh (laughs) tell me where we
2: are right now we're at alex's house and we're sitting on the floor in my room yeah where where is that uh it's in stanmore at the moment and in sydney australia Yeah. yeah
0: Are you guys both from here?
3: Right? <coughs> yep, born and bred.
0: Yeah. I and was... what's the best part about Sydney? I mean, you're living here now, so
3: everything,
2: everything no. is good about Sydney. <laughs> Sydney. <laughs> it's just, it's just the people. Oh, there's some
3: <laughs> heaps cool stuff actually, but. Um, I just got back from this eight month um, <laughs> backpacking trip in South America and I love traveling but half the fun is coming home and yeah. I there are so many things I love about Sydney and I was stoked to come home for, like the just the natural beauty, we have so many amazing beaches and coastlines and bushwalks, mm. there's some great cultural stuff happening all the time. It's great to be able to live in a large city and be so close to just nature, basically. I think San Francisco is kind of
0: like that, too. Oh. Yeah. Way. yeah.
3: You Oh, you've been... <laughs> I, was
2: a, I was nine. <laughs> but I'm going to come back. I'm going to come and visit you guys.
0: Wait, come so back. Alex, what
2: do you like or hate about Sydney then? Uh, what I love and hate is that it's very consistent. Um... While there is always a lot happening and lots of exciting projects and people putting up, like, really fun parties and there are new bands happening, it's still kind of the same thing, which is comforting. Um, but I feel like I need to do what Jules did and, like, good, like get in a, a good year or two, like, overseas again so I can get my Sydney thirst up again and be like, ah, I've got to get back. It's fun being the guest star as well. When you're a (laughs) visitor to yeah, and you're coming back here just to visit, everyone drops their shit and they're like, I'm fucking free, like, for the rest of the week or, like, until you're going. But when you live here, it's, like, people are like, oh, you know, I'll just, like, slot you in here. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I do the same thing when I I live here, I guess.
0: I mean, so
3: what – so you picked up for eight months and headed out. Why did you pick South America for that? Um, It was just – The next destination on my list for a long time. Um, Mm. So, my parents are originally Italian, but um, one of my uncles um, traveled the world when he he left home when he was 18, traveled the world, uh, met a girl in Chile, and built his house on a mountain overlooking Santiago. (coughs) So, I was always told this this almost myth when I was a child of this, like, incredible uncle who lives on a mountain. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, I have to go visit him one day. And, um, and so it had been a long time since I'd been there. He's now spawned this huge arm of the family. They're all born there. I have endless amounts of cousins and, um, you know, uncles and aunts there. So that was really important for me, the, the family aspect, um... So it was like this long journey to eventually get down to Chile because I started in the United States, flew down to Colombia and just worked my way down. Oh, say what you were doing in the United States, though. Yeah, what were you doing in the
2: United States? (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? Uh, when she, okay, so Jules actually won gold twice in the Gay Games, <laughs> oh, and she didn't yeah. tell me that until I fucking, I had to ask. Wait, me. I didn't know this either. <laughs> she not bring it up. She's not so she's deal, very humble. Like, listen, listen.
3: It's really not a big deal. It's more like the Gay Games is like a big party, basically. It's like, it started off as a political event in the 1970s, I think, because, you know, that made sense at the time, but... Now it's just like a big party and the sports events are just sort of like an excuse to have the party and to meet amazing gay people from all over the world. Where so. was it held? In Cleveland, Ohio. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's where the Drew came. <laughs> yeah, <from. laughs> yeah, that's all I knew about it too. <laughs> How did you find Cleveland, Ohio? Well, I mean, it was... It was an interesting location for the gay games to be held, to be honest. Like, it's
2: like it, holding
3: them in Canberra earlier. Yeah, Australia. totally. It was, it was funny because it's like half the population was so welcoming and warm. You know, there was a real, like, Midwestern hospitality thing going. And the other half were just sort of like, what are all these gay people doing here? <laughs> what did you win gold in? Um, so I do kickboxing and martial arts. So I, um, I got gold in the... It was the beginner's division, so it was the sparring and um, uh, the forms, which is when you do like a... like, a sequence of stances. That's yeah. still
0: really badass. Yeah.
3: I mean, that means that out of
0: the people you were competing with, like, you kicked some ass. Oh, thanks, guys.
2: <laughs> oh, doesn't
3: brag about stuff, like... Yeah, but, but Alex, tell us about some of your amazing stories from your trip, because Yeah, I will tell lot. anyone at the drop about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll go back and forth. yeah. yeah. <laughs> A- about
2: what? What about, well,
3: Marshall, that- what about that amazing sex party you went to?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll go there. Um, okay, so I went to a sex party when I went to, <laughs> to Berlin <laughs> in Germany. And um, it was really fun. Um, I went with someone who I don't know if they want to be named. So I'll just say we wore matching outfits like uh, black underwear. Uh, boots red lipstick and shark fins because the theme was nautical <laughs> so so we get to this party and this, like, <laughs> yeah. no it was so funny though I just like I was curious I'm kind of a tourist with experience I like the idea of just going in and having a look at what's happening and if I don't know I like it I'll go along with it I guess but so it was a nautical theme we got to this disused theater Uh, well I guess it's being used now and it was decked out like this pirate ship they had these great burlesque shows like there was a 60s dance floor with like everyone was doing the twist and like in these ridiculous like uh, I guess poolside kind of floaties and like there were pirates and mermaids and fish and like dolphins and um... and the sex (laughs) tell us about the sex (laughs) and there was a fucking room out the back That people were just mashing their junk together. (laughs) So it was
0: was a fucking room.
2: Yeah, it was like people, it was like (laughs) exactly, exactly. There was no like sensuality. Mm. As far I don't know, I didn't, I I was more, I was cruising around being like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Because of course I was curious, what's happening in like the sex room? And there was, it was just frantic mashing and I just didn't get it. I didn't participate because it was just like, oh. I really like the dance floor actually. That's where I spent most of my time, Mm. to be honest. I did go into the bathroom before the sex room started, I guess. And I was talking to some people. It was a unisex bathroom. And I was talking to people in the line and saying, like, I was like, hey, I'd had a few drinks. Like, I just realized that I'm like, I'm a shark. You guys are all like fish and pirates. I'm at the top of the food chain. Hey. (laughs) You know, you guys should be careful if I get hungry later. And then I was like, "Oh fuck!" Like, it's a sex party. That sounds like you're hitting on everyone. You've got to stop! Stop! So I was like, "But luckily, I've already eaten. I've got to go." And then ran out of the bar.
0: So, so let's swap back to you were going down from the states, yeah. uh
3: huh, towards South America. <laughs> yeah. So, so, basically working down from Colombia through Ecuador, Peru, Bolivia, and then crossing the, the salt desert into Chile, and then down to the capital, Santiago. Epic journey. And you did well, some earthship stuff.
0: Well, that's the, the funny thing, though, is yeah. you and I were in the same town in Bolivia. Yeah! On the same
3: day. <laughs>
0: and, and, we, and we didn't know. We
3: didn't know, and we yeah. met the same person, which only came up much later, but what a small world. Yeah, little did we know. Yeah. And then,
0: because of Alex, who I met in South America three years ago, <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh,
0: crazy. Time warp. But you, so you also were in Argentina and that's where you were
3: building the Earthships? Yeah, yeah. So do you guys know much about Earthships? No, earth tell ships. us. <laughs> 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 tell us all about Earthships. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Earthships um, are really interesting, actually. It's, so it's basically, there's this architect from um, Taos in New Mexico who is this crazy dude with, like, (coughs) long white hair who has developed a way of building these self-sufficient, sustainable houses um, out of garbage, basically. Um, So he experimented with all sorts of different ways of doing this, including building, you know, like, houses out of just beer cans and and just outrageous things like that. Um, Until eventually he's got it down pat, so... um, Pretty much you use uh, old tires, you get a sledgehammer and pound them full of like 300 pounds of dirt, something ridiculous like that, build the walls up and also mix in conventional methods. Um, But this pretty much creates a thermal mass which absorbs heat um, during the day and then releases it at night and these structures don't need any electricity to heat or cool. They maintain a constant temperature throughout the whole year um, of, you know, 24 degrees Celsius or whatever that is in Fahrenheit. Um, but yeah, so it's incredible. They also deal with, all. they have all it, their systems inbuilt in these earthships. So they deal with greywater, sewerage, um, you know, basically everything. It's really inspiring. So... Um, The course that I did in Argentina, um, these guys are like superheroes to me. They just travel around the world, like, building these things in, like, Mm. strange locations. Um, Because they're, you know, they're off-grid, self-sufficient buildings. And what Mike Reynolds, the creator, says, um, he takes such a fresh approach on the sustainability thing, you know? He's like... He claims not to be a hippie. He says, I'm not a fucking hippie. I just didn't want to work nine to five, five days a week to pay bills if I could, you know, have this great setup and spend my time doing stuff I like. Right. Yeah.
0: So you were doing that course. You were, Alex, just doing a course
2: uh, in Thailand. Yeah, I did six weeks of um, intensive training in uh, mixed martial arts, uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Um, But I mostly was focusing on Muay Thai, which I just, I think it's so beautiful. Um, I'm trying to get Jules into doing MMA, actually. (laughs) You already do it. You're already, like, doing the striking and the kicking. Like, you may as well add some
3: BJJ into it. Yeah, yeah. But tell us about your course. Uh, It was
2: awesome. I was training with, like, um, uh, mixed martial, like, these amazing teachers, like uh, Roger Huerta, Uh, who is a UFC fighter Um, I mean his strong points are like Brazilian jiu-jitsu so his floor submissions are just like I don't know he's got the skills and just actually experiencing the different combinations that he does and like the defense techniques that he just has in his brain filing cabinet to just like he does it on autopilot, is just, like, phenomenal. And the way – and James McSweeney as well, whose nickname is, like, the Sledgehammer. And when you see this man, you understand why he has that nickname. He's basically, like, a walking brick wall
3: or something.
2: (laughs) So I was in Phuket. I was in this little um, suburb, I guess, in the – east part of the island um it's just basically one road like i lived in this little apartment but there yeah. were beach like yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> like training sessions
2: cool, <laughs> so you yeah, do awesome. a bit of like combinations like How no exotic. sparring on the
3: beach but yeah that like, yeah, yeah. no, was
2: great
0: and uh what were you doing before you left julia on your trip
3: <laughs> before i left yeah Um, I, um, so I studied law at university and I had just been working my first full-time professional job, um, in native title, which is, uh, like a system of indigenous land rights law in Australia. So I worked, um... For the traditional owners for two years and I was... For our uh, non-Australian audience, can you just define what traditional owners are? Yeah, sure. We call them, um, so they're basically the Aboriginal people of Australia, the original inhabitants that um, lived sustainably on Australia for over 40,000 years uh, before Australia was colonised by the British... Which you know you'd be surprised. I met so many people who had no idea when I was travelling that Australia even had Aboriginal people really? still alive. Yeah, I was outraged. Oh my God. <laughs> still alive though. Yeah, and even just like they're like, what? There are Aboriginal people in Australia? What do you? Just, wow, the ignorance of some people is shocking. But then again, I don't imagine that you would learn too much about Australia <laughs> if you don't live here. <laughs> no. Even a lot of Australians don't even know.
2: Australians don't. I did a um, subject on so- Australian sociology. The book, the actual textbook, was about uh, an inch and a half thick. The amount of space that was dedicated to like Kuri, uh mm. history was. It was maybe ten pages, mm-hmm. which is like what? Yeah. <laughs> that's like we're talking about. Like you, uh, like that. Some people say it's maybe even up to fifty thousand mm-hmm. years of history, yeah. and it's like ten pages. Yeah. That's it. No, exactly, I suppose it's yeah. very difficult to get together the information because a lot of the history was passed through. Uh, it was like verbally passed down mm-hmm. through dreamtime Definitely. stories,
3: and um, so it would be hard to. Yeah. But still, 10 pages, like, Yeah. Come on. I mean, it's it's really important to note that um, it's not one homogenous group of, of Aboriginal people. There's mm. up to 200 different groups um, and uh, geographically spread out. So they all have their own uh, particular culture and language mm-hmm. that goes with that. So it's hard to generalise. But, um, you know, Alex, you're absolutely right. I think I was the first year when I was in high school... Um, that it was mandatory to learn about Aboriginal history. So when I put that into perspective, that means that everyone in Australia who's older than me never had to learn about Australia being violently colonised, about Mm. dispossession, about the Stolen Generation. So, um, you know, that's it's pretty crazy to think that and it makes sense why there is so much ignorance and um, misunderstanding of... Um, aboriginal people and the um the issues facing their societies
0: and uh alex you've been a you say work tourist too what other jobs have you had oh whoa pick a top um, wait, pick a worst job and a funniest job <laughs> i was a fruit monger once
2: okay um i did uh, what else did i do bush regeneration so i did my horticulture and land management
3: certificates what? I didn't even know that. You are full of surprises every week I learn about some other new exciting thing that Alex has done in her life. She's just like the gift that keeps on giving. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so that, was that the fun
2: one, the horticultural? Oh, that was great. Yeah. Um, it's just being like you go out to, like, go out bush, I guess, like all day. Um, I guess the only reason I couldn't do it anymore was because I didn't have a car and I'd have to wake up at, like, 4am or something that was a great job I don't know if I could really uh categorize them I did nursing for a while like I was working with as a uh in a Vendolin Vendolin dependent uh nursing care facility uh for people who have the condition of quadriplegia and doing things like suctioning out tracheotomy tubes and like yeah it was really full-on actually the people that I worked with were were awesome I got really attached to them but I found that the community of uh nurses was there was something really like hot like bitchy or something it was very like clicky I've yeah like I said I'm a work tourist I'm like an experienced tourist I don't really like I'm getting too old for this shit <laughs> basically if I don't like it like I know that there's like all of these and em- oh actually I heard uh, my meditation teacher Sumitra said something really cool to me that like and where you feel like there's sort of a maybe if you shut one door and there might be like an emptiness or something it's actually this space for possibility and the things that you've experienced in the past that are like so amazing and beautiful and it's like wow I hadn't I didn't expect for that to happen uh, there's like a million of them waiting out there for you and so when you have that emptiness it's more of a spaciousness it's welcoming these new experiences and so I've, Yeah. So what are you (laughs) both excited about right now? Um...
3: The future and the unknown <laughs> possibilities. <laughs> I'm excited to have another coffee after oh, this podcast round. Yeah. Oh, yeah. like coconut coffee. Yeah. One step at a time, piano, piano. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, thank you for talking to me, ladies. Oh, yeah, thank you, you. So, and so much. And thank you it for making pleasure. Sydney
1: awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You
2: too.
0: listening to this conversation first I just want to mention that we have another a third experience of Phuket so a few episodes back when I talked to Pita and Carrie they talked about how Pita transitioned or was working on her transition at a hospital in Phuket and they loved it and I was talking about how I hated it and then here was Alex she did her Muay Thai training there and that was her experience so that's kind of interesting um my other connection with this conversation that I can think of is sort of weird jobs and how Alex says she's like a job tourist. How one of my weirdest jobs was probably um, being a javelin hawker at the Renaissance Fair where I tried to convince passersby or succeeded in convincing passersby to spend $6 to throw a stick at a pile of hay. And I had to talk funny and wear funny clothes and it was a lot of fun. And then I even got people to tip me for the... Service of convincing them to spend that money on sticks and hay. It's
1: like people go there and, like, I want to spend money, but they're like, but when it comes to it, they're like, you know, like they know deep down they want to spend money, you just have to like convince them to.
0: Right, and it's all strategy as far as like manipulating people. And, oh gosh. Yeah. So anytime you go to the
1: Renaissance Fair, I understand you're going to be probably be manipulated. It's any sales,
0: you know, sort of situation. Yeah. What about you Renee? What's your connection? Uh,
1: My connection was just immediately going in when you know they're talking about uh, coming back to Sydney and how it's such a great place to come back to after you travel. I feel 100% the same way about where we're from the Bay Area. I guess technically even is not really the Bay Area if you want to get you know critical of that but um, just yeah the Bay Area itself and all the wonderful people and all the wonderful things you can still do there and things that I still haven't done even yet and California itself in general is a a really great place to be from and I feel really lucky to be from there and be
0: able to go back there. Yeah, it's a wonderful place to go home to, that's for sure. Oh, for sure. And for any of you listening, what thoughts or memories or opinions or anything were sparked in you while listening to this? Because you've made it to the end, which means you've listened to the whole thing. Thank you. Wow, good job. So now the next step is to please send me your thoughts because I've so far really enjoyed hearing from you guys and also thank you so much to everybody who has sent in an email or thoughts or messages and for those of you who have sent me emails about listening but haven't sent me anything to read on air please 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 send me thoughts and memories that I can read please people put her out of her misery just on give her the things. Air. <laughs> I just love no I love it so far no your misery of like asking no I'm gonna ask like this all the time I think can because play. I really want you you're listening, so I mean you. Send me something. And if you've already sent me something, send me something again. Yeah. And if you've sent me just a message, now send me something that I can read. Because I love this way of connecting with people, and it's been so cool. And I love talking about this stuff.
1: Well, and it's just like, you know, you've listened to someone share their story. I mean, and you know, it's easy. It's just...
0: Every person I talk to is like, oh, you don't want to, like... I'm not an interview interesting. ...interview me. I have nothing to Everybody. say. Everybody. I'm seeing everyone. Everyone says that. Anyway, so send me something at... Hildeb.an at gmail.com, H-I-L-D-E-B dot A-N-N-E at gmail.com. And also, if you're listening on SoundCloud, you can listen on iTunes. If you just search Stories with Legs, if you prefer to get your podcasts via iTunes. I also want to thank Josh Reinhardt for helping me with the technical parts of this, which would be getting the episode onto iTunes. Which Josh, is, you're awesome. Yeah, thank you Make so much. Make it possible. Much. Thank you. And also, thank you, Kevin MacLeod, for the music. And everybody else, thank you in advance for your wonderful memory connections that you will send me. I really appreciate it. And
2: I'll see you next time. So I'm kind of a tourist with experience. I like the idea of just going in and having a look at what's happening. And if, I don't know, I like it, I'll go along with it, I guess.